Who thought counting could be cool? Here we go! Join Andrew Wall and Brad Salmeda. Our mission, make accounting fun. Follow us as we chat with amazing guests every Friday. Are you ready? Woohoo! Woohoo! Uh, we are here this week with a very special episode. Uh, not only do we have an amazing guest, but we have a guest host uh, back uh, to join us again in, in what's been way too long. Hector, how you doing, buddy? It's good to have you back. I'm doing great, Andrew. It's uh, It's been, what, like a year since uh, we last chatted? Yeah. Here? yeah, yeah. Time flies when you're in the middle of a pandemic, right? <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. Very true. Um, not same, same all with me. Just uh, still trying to crack the YouTube code um, and... Um, and uh, you know, running my practice and you know, having doing webinars and all that stuff. So nothing. Well, I think nothing really you new. have cracked the YouTube code because I know uh, during this year you did hit that major milestone that you were aiming for that those hundred thousand subscribers and and you. What are you at now? You must have you you've flown past that. It's it's like one hundred and forty eight thousand two hundred. Who counts these I, things? I don't, I don't track those things. <laughs> 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 oh. Uh, yeah, congratulations, buddy. And, and uh, you know, I know you've been super busy, so it's awesome to have you back and, and joining us. And, and we're, we're also here with, you know, Joe Woodard, who's an absolute legend uh, in this community. And if you don't know Joe, you've been living under a rock. You don't know anything about accounting in this uh, amazing community that we have, because uh, not only, you know, are you a coach um, and an expert in this whole community and everything from advisory to pricing to even, you know, where you started in your roots of teaching how to actually use QuickBooks like, like Hector did. Uh, but you also put on this amazing event, uh, Scaling New Heights, to help people. And I think we saw on your thing that you've, you've taught or coached over 125,000 um, you know, small business entrepreneurs and coaches themselves. So this is, uh, you know, we're thrilled to have you with us, Joe, and, and excited to be here. How, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Awesome. And, and we are, there's so much to, to ask you, but I mean, where do we, where do we begin? I think, you know, I think the obvious thing is we have scaling new heights. It's, it's around the corner, um, which again, you know, I'm so grateful that you're here now because I know you, you must be up to your ears and alligators as, as we were saying earlier with all the planning. And, and I can't even imagine what goes into putting on an event at the best of times, let alone in the middle of a pandemic with all these unknowns and things. Um, so I, I'd love to hear more about um, what it's been like, you know, hosting an event. You, you did do an event last year in the in the middle of the pandemic, which I think you referred to as sort of your scaled back, scaling new heights. Yeah, the COVID edition. The COVID edition. Yeah. Um, and this is sort of we're, we're it feels like we're we're getting back, but we're not quite there. Um, so, you know, what are the challenges that you've been facing in putting together these events? Uh, well, of course the ebbs and flows, right? As soon as you feel like you're coming out of the woods, there's a variant du jour. And, um, and now we're, of course, you know, we're facing the Delta. But um, so, so the unpredictability, you know, we're in our 13th year of scaling new heights and going into the, before the pandemic, so the pre-COVID, we, we had predictive analytics that were extremely specific. Everything from the way Net Promoter affected next year's attendance to the number of marketing campaigns and the amount of that reach and what we could, I mean, we could, we could get, we could just predict 
all the way down to the nearest 10 or 15 almost number of people that were going to come to scale new heights. And now, who knows, right? But what I can tell you, what I can tell you is as of today, we are at 70% of normal. And I will take that in the middle of a pandemic. Now, not only are we 75% of normal on attendance, and we still have our last two months or month and a half or so, which always sees last minute adopters. So I think we're going to end up being probably more like 85% of normal. Well, you know, fingers crossed. But on the exhibit floor, we are at 100% strength. We are sold out on our full-sized, convention-sized exhibit floor, um, a double exhibit hall for a convention center filled with booths with 10-foot separators. Um, so it's going to be a normal Scaling New Heights, no COVID edition this year. Um, Hector's going to be back with us again, so it's going to be great to have him teaching. And uh, you're going to be with us, Andrew, so it's going to be great for you to be there. And, um, and now the question is, what are the challenges? Well, everything, as you can imagine, from optics to unpredictable. Um, and we are just pushing through. Yeah, I, I can I can understand that. Like it's just the the unknowns, um, and I, I know like I personally have this this desire to get back out and see the community and and hang out with everyone. Um, but it's that unknown of like what's what's travel going to be like? You know, do I? You know, I haven't had to have that brain swab yet to get on a flight. Um, and as anxious as I am to get out and hang with the community, I'm nervous still, right? So I think you're probably going to end up seeing, you know, as we get closer to the event, the people who are like, okay, I'm feeling hopefully more comfortable or ready and, and to see an uptick. Hmm. Yes. I mean, I think we all want to get back to normal. We're just trying to figure out what the path to normal is. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, Joe, I would love to uh, get some context in terms of what that 70% of capacity looks like. And so, hmm. and, and I didn't go to scaling New heights 20 or 19. So I do remember scaling New heights uh, 18 in Atlanta, which had about, what, 900 attendees? Uh, it had uh, 1,100 attendees, yes. Okay, this is, these are not the, the sponsors, just uh, the yeah, Attendees, exactly. Okay. And there okay. were 10, 1050 in 2019. So normal right. is somewhere just north of 1,000. So right. we are just north of 700. So you got 700. Okay, awesome. And I think a lot of people sign up last minute. I don't know oh, those absolutely. stats, but so I- So that I, is I'm, not what we'll have there at the show. This is what we have as of right now. Yes. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So we're probably going to see 900, 1,000 people again in this show. Um, so yeah, that's really awesome. And what, what was it like last year? Last year was Orlando, right? Yeah, uh, it was, it was Orlando and you know, the hotel was so good to work with us. You know, we moved from St. Louis to Orlando because St. Louis couldn't accommodate the shift. We thought, you know, if we just moved from June, 2020 to the fall, 2020, we're clear of COVID, right? Um, that's what, that's, that was our, everybody in the world's mindset back then. So we couldn't, the, the St. Louis Convention Center couldn't handle a shift over uh, to the fall. So we promised them and we since contracted with them for some year in the future. You know, you guys will find out when it comes around the conveyor belt. So some year in the future um, to go back and, and fulfill our promise to them. And we called, uh, we called around to try to find a home. Now, fortunately, hotels were available. <laughs> because everybody right, right. There. so so we went to the orlando world center and um they were they were this is so funny because if anybody's ever done events you know it all hinges on the commitment to the minimum guest rooms right. and your commitment to the minimum food and beverage spend in a conference of our size we have to commit to about four to five thousand guest rooms 
in four days. So I just want you to get your mind wrapped around that. We have to commit to buying if, if our audience buys or not about four to 5,000 guest rooms. And we have to commit to spending about $300,000 on food and beverage across four days. So, um, wow. so that's a normal show. So we, we went into this show with no minimum room commitment, no minimum food, food and beverage commitments. It was just like, please come, right? Right. <laughs> if right. one person shows up, you have no penalties. And, and I, in the conventions uh, business, that is um, extremely uh, weird, right? So, so, so it, was, it was hard, but you had tons of flexibility from your, from your vendor. And yeah. how, many people, how many people attended more or less? There were 300 under the roof where about 50 of those were sponsor reps. Now we had more than 50 sponsors, but we did this kiosk thing um, right. where you could walk up to the kiosk and you could click the QR code that took you into a Zoom meeting and you just talked with them through your own Bluetooth headset at the kiosk Jetson style. So, <laughs> so about half of our uh, sponsors did that. Um, and about uh, half of the sp sponsors who still stayed in because about half the sponsors moved to another conference and then the half was 50-50 that stayed around. Now we did still have about 25 sponsors that stood up a booth and, um, and they, they staffed those booths. And, um, and then we had, so that was about 50 people. And then we had about 250 uh, accountants, but we did have hundreds join us, um, about 600 if memory serves that joined us remotely. Remote, so we yeah. still ended up having about a thousand accountants. It's just, it was hybrid. Right. That's interesting. So I, I still think 250 is it's heroic, right? So you want to know think, you uh, want another interesting fact? Yeah. Not one attendee, not one sponsor rep got sick. Yeah, that's um, incredible. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that I can promise that for any conference. What I'm saying is we really pulled out of the stops and created the, the safest possible environment. But the ultimate celebration for that goes to the attendees because the Marriott commented to us um, that they didn't once have to enforce their mask policy or their two people in the elevator at the same time policy. And, and, and I said, well, that's just this audience. Yeah. And their entire job is compliance. So you give them a rule, they're going to comply. <laughs> but, but, but it meant now, and we did a lot of contact tracing and I'm extremely confident that had someone gotten sick um, that we would have found out about it. So we, we feel really good about it. That, that now this will, will this year be a a, a, a mask a forced mask policy for right um, now in in for in be determined so okay. and 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 the only reason I can't give a call on it yet is because the data changes weekly so we are celebrating over here for all of humanity first the state of Texas second and us third in that order right that the state of Texas is now double digits has had a double digit percentage fall off in COVID um, uh, te positive testing. So, um, so these things crest, right? And another state may spike when one state drops. So we have to watch the data um, and we have to watch the guidance. New guidance came out, you know, just this week from the president. So we have to, we have to watch guidance and we have to watch data almost on a daily basis. And we are going to have to make that call much, much closer to the show. But, but Joe, regardless, this is a private event. So it would be either your call or the venue's call, correct? Uh, uh, unless unless there is a mandate from the federal government that is imposed on all the that's, states. And that's not, we know that's not going to happen in Texas. We're not <laughs> going to see a mandate from Governor Abbott for sure. That's Florida but, and Texas, you could be pretty certain there won't be one. 
Okay, yeah. so it would be your well, choice. We, yeah, right. And so in that situation, I would come back to the data then. So we're going to follow right. that. We're going right. to follow any mandates by the state, and the federal government. And the next would be what's the data tell us cool. um, whenever we get a little closer to the show. And cool. what do you and think? Then, go, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just wondering, like, are, are you doing any polls to see what the community wants? And I, like, I'm, I'd be curious to see, like, is, are, we are the people? We did. That, Anybody interested? Yeah. But the poll's slated now. Yeah, um, we did. We did a poll just recently. The poll was only of the people who had registered for scaling new heights. And we asked, what is your level of COVID concern related to the show? Mm -hmm. And only 5% said that they were concerned. Now, understand the people who are concerned weren't in that room because right. they're not coming to scaling new heights already. Right. And that's yeah. why I want to make sure I'm, 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 your audience hears me loud and clear. I am going to do scaling new heights for the people who feel comfortable coming and that is their choice. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't want anybody to hear any sense of pressure from me to do anything that you do not think is a good decision for your on, on health choices. We will see you in a future year and there are 361 days you can come to our, you listen to our podcast, go to our webinars um, and do all these other things with us throughout the year. Yeah, you just want to make them make uncomfortable decisions about their business and move towards things they should be doing, like advisory. <laughs> yeah, right. there you go. Exactly. So as long as we, as long as I can help them get to their goals, if it's in Fort Worth or not in Fort Worth, uh, either way, I consider them friends and I consider them family. Sure. So I think it's a good time to well, let's pivot from COVID guidelines and go up to like, yeah. let's talk about maybe some of the content and the networking. I, I think let's start with the networking first, because it would be a perfect segue. Um, I find that these conferences, although the educational content is a big part of it, um, being an educator myself and being one that had agreed, has agreed to teach uh, this year, um, you know, I take tons of pride on how important it is to have good trainers and good education, and that's part of the value. But I think that most people will admit, especially the more, um, the more veteran conference goers, that, you know, that the educational value starts tapering off just because there's always a mixture of like uh, basic stuff and advanced stuff and 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 the amount of stuff that becomes new to veteran people gets smaller and smaller that's natural that happens to us over time as we get older and wiser and we start uh, seeing more value on making contacts making friends uh, sharing best practices uh, picking somebody's brain about you know what's the last time you fired someone and how did you handle it and how did you hire you know, the superstar bookkeeper, or how did you manage when your bookkeeper got hurt or went to the hospital? So like all these conversations of mature practices amongst the veteran uh, sort of people that are not so much there to get certified in QuickBooks or learn the basics on reports, that's the stuff that becomes valuable. Um, knowing what we know about, you know, COVID and the guidelines, and let's not get into the details of that. How do you think networking mm. and, and, and the context of networking has changed in this new in this new normal of conferences, or 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 do you think it will not? Okay, so let me answer. Uh, I'm going I'm to first address your first part, and then I'm going to get into that the, the the second question you were leading up to. So the first part, I couldn't agree with you more, and I do just want to throw out a number that that we have a, we have a, a standard that in any given conference, seventy percent at least of the training will be brand new, not just to scaling new heights, but to the entire world of accountancy and bookkeeping doesn't mean it's a brand new topic or brand new idea. It just means it's a brand new presentation. So nothing's rehashed. 
if you presented something uh, in a whole circuit, you know, and you and you do it at every conference as you roll around in some sort of a training catalog, we say, nope, not for us. You need to write something new, freshen it up. So, um, so seventy percent is new, and or and, and or brand new, and then um, the other is that about forty percent is technical, because we know that we have the most advanced QuickBooks uh, consultants and bookkeepers in the world that come. So we know that what they want, Hector, is what you were talking about. You know, how do I hire? How do I retain? How do I maximize profitabilities? What, and, and, and some of that is hearing from their peers who have a microphone, and some of that's hearing from their peers in the hallways. So now getting to your hallway conversation, I'll answer it in two ways. One, what happened at Scaling New Heights 2020 when everybody was, was behind the mask? And um, the masks were aggravating, itchy, sweaty. Yes, it was uncomfortable. But I was amazed at how, nonetheless, we were sitting around in pods having meaningful conversations. I would walk past the lobby, and there would be four people still sitting in four separate chairs with a little coffee table in the middle of them, talking about everything from ClickUp, managing their bookkeeping processes, through to the last person that they hired or fired, or the client um, that they had to hire or fire, just as if it was any other conference. So they were having to talk through the masks, but they were getting it done. The second part of your question, outside of the conference, we're seeing a lot more collaboration take place in private Facebook groups. And I think private's the key word there. Something happened the other, the other day on LinkedIn, Hector and Andrew, absolutely broke my heart. Um, a CPA I'd never heard of before um, asked the first question he had ever asked on LinkedIn, made his very first post he'd ever made on LinkedIn. And, and it went something like this, I paraphrase. I have a question to ask about state sales tax nexus and you name the state. Um, this is my first post ever on LinkedIn, please be kind. So we, so, so the, the culture of social media is so bad, right? That people are scared to build communities because they're afraid they're gonna be attacked and often they are. So private Facebook groups with moderators that can moderate and sustain a culture and, and moderate to protect the climate of those posts, private Yammer groups like we have with Woodard Alliance, or uh, even all the way down to using Slack or Teams for communities, like I know that, uh, that Seth does a lot of. The point is we need to build safe spaces online for communities to thrive and to feel like they can be themselves, whether that's sharing information boldly or asking questions where they expose vulnerabilities. And, and I'm seeing a lot of that flourish now um, in virtual spaces. But how, 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 did, how does the conference link to these uh, private Facebook conversations? Are you saying that people are getting together in the conference and saying, let's build this? I, yes, that to... is happening. Absolutely, it's happening. Uh, oh, okay, okay. But, yes, but are so... you also saying that there is a private group for the conference goers to talk? Like, are you building we have, this? We have Woodard Alliance. Right. So so it's not the scaling new heights private group, but we have Woodard produces scaling new heights, Woodard produces Woodard Alliance. So most of the people who are in Woodard Alliance go to scaling advice first. It's very heavy population, cross population. But you know what excites me even more than that? I mean, that's sort of my job to make sure the community endures throughout the year. What I right. love to see, Hector, what I love to see, Andrew, are things like what um, Debbie Dangerfield did. She got, um, there were four people she met at Scaling New Heights two or three years ago. They had complementary and similar kinds of bookkeeping, uh, 
practices. They formed a friendship some two or three conferences ago. I didn't even know about it. I found out about it a month ago that they have been meeting every week when nonstop since that they met each other in a private Zoom kind of environment in some sort of a slack on the back end collaborating and helping each other to navigate the difficult landscape. Now, if, if we can do that kind of stuff, um, 365 a year, that's huge. Yeah, it's, it's those accountability groups and those having gone through programs like that, those are the things that are really transformative for your business, right? Because it's really hard to be accountable to yourself, but the minute you put that down on paper and you tell someone, I'm going to do this. It just ramps up your probability of getting that achieved, right? So those those networks and those groups are amazing. Do you, do you find that like is there an optimum level for those groups? Because you know we're seeing Facebook groups that are growing and growing and growing. Um, but when we talk about those accountability groups, you don't want you know you don't want an accountability group of two hundred to two thousand people. You no. want an accountability group of like five to eight people, right? It really comes down to three different categories. This is the way I categorize it. You have an audience. And a Facebook group can be an audience, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have a group or a community. Let's call it a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have an accountability group, right? Mm-hmm. So the accountability group is, you can still have a private Facebook group on it, but it, it's typically more like Slack or Teams. Yeah. And then something like a private Facebook group where you heavily regulate who gets in. You know, every, every because when you're dealing with audience, typically growth is, all growth is good. Because you're just want, trying to wide the audience is largely a, a, a recipient of your knowledge, and it's from there that you try to get into the community, and from there you try to spin up these accountability groups. That's how the the sort of maturation funnel, not a sales funnel, but maturation funnel of a community works. And um, and I think people confuse them, and they think, well, if somebody has a LinkedIn or Facebook group with twenty thousand people, then their community is stronger than somebody that has one with five hundred or three hundred. And, and it's, it's really an apple and an orange. Their audience is big, but is it a community? Well, you know, I would argue it's, it's maybe a, an interactive audience. Yeah. And what you've built is somehow you've managed to build a community of over a thousand regular attendees who feel like family. And, and this is one thing that I always rave about this community is when I came into it, and I am, as I said earlier, an infant compared to the two of you gentlemen in this community. Um, but when I came into this community at my first QuickBooks Connect conference, I was welcomed with open arms. It just felt like a safe place, right? Where where you could share ideas, um, you could, and it was also like the beautiful thing was it was all people who were thinking along the same ways as me. Is like, how do we do this different, right? Like, how do we break the mold? How do we take that mold, toss it in the garbage, and start new and build a career that we where we enjoy what we do, where we've got growth. Um, and we've got not, not, it's not even just a network or an accountability group. These are our friends, right? These are our peers who we respect, who we admire, who are willing to open up their kimono and share with us not only the things that they're doing well, but the things that they're not doing well, right? And the things that they've, because often for myself, you know, I don't, I learn the most from the things I've screwed up rather than things I've done well, right? Um, and so it's often the, those learning experiences. And when we have the ability to learn from people we respect who are willing to share uh, their failures or, or their, their stumbles that they faced along the way um, is where we get the greatest knowledge. And I mean, I still am in, I, I'm in admiration of how you've been able to build 
a community that's as large as it is and still have that that personal small small feel have any success features that you can point to that helped you to be able to create that well uh, i will tell you that we put a lot of emphasis on year-round community and we do put a lot of emphasis on the networking that takes place at the show so we do try to nurture those communities but i'm saying this not with any sense of false humility just to be blatantly honest this community makes it so easy um, you pretty much give them a roof over their head, wind them up and let them go. And they will, they are a community, right? So, so a lot of that is just who they are and people comment all the time, especially the bookkeepers, but also, you know, a, a large majority of CPAs and enrolled agents, there's a certain segment of all of these professional communities that, that is open to share knowledge in ways you don't see often with other professions. Um, and, and so I get, I have to give the credit to them. Yeah. I, I also want to add and, and give credit to sort of the, the multiple leaders in the industry that have helped shape this from a very long time. We have, uh, folks like, uh, Doug Sleater, who, who, who who's pioneer, pioneering, right? Yeah, um, pioneering yeah. on, on the conferences and getting into it together. We have a former Intuit employee, uh, Intuit CEO, Brad Smith. Who was a huge champion of showing up to these events and representing QuickBooks firsthand and using into it, actually paying the conference uh, builders to put these things together. Joe Woodard, of course, with this conference, all the people that put together QuickBooks Connect, people like Michelle Long, who's who, who've been pounding pounding the education of QuickBooks for 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 a very long time. Well, and, and then Allison Ball too, because she's the one Ball, that got yeah. us all together and said, you know, let's now get a cadence going. And let's go after this thing under a single vision. So a uh, big, big, big influence. Yes. And I think the apps too deserve some credit. So like oh, yeah. T-Sheets who put together parties to make, to, 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 to create the contrast between the education, debit and credit stuff to, hey, just have a couple of drinks, let loose and build personal relationships while you're dancing and messing around. Because I, I think that you know, there's two ways to build relationships with people, right? One is you're out there in the trenches, you know, doing God's work and solving small business problems together and you build camaraderie around that. But also, you know, we're just like, you know, talking about how great it is to, you know, be out of the office for four days, right? right? In a T-sheet party or build.com party or have a Lara party. And this year it's Expensify. It is. You know, Expensify is yes. doing two things. They, yep. have a mechanical, they brought a mechanical bull onto the show floor. And second, they they rented Billy Bob's Honky Tonk for uh, for the first ever, maybe last ever, Scaling Heights Co-Down. That's all expensified. So you're you're absolutely right, Hector. It's it's a community. It's a it's a it takes a village approach, um, where you know the accountants then are really interested in that sort of thing. So the folks that want to create an atmosphere for them aren't swimming upstream. So I mean now. The, the conference is called Unstoppable. Maybe this is a good time to sort of pivot to um, what are the things that are, are stopping this community? We've got this amazing community where we're helping one another and we've got the support, we've got the training, we've got the community. What's holding back these firms from achieving their, their ultimate desired goal? Yeah. Now, every Scaling New Heights has a different theme, right? So this year it is Unstoppable. And um, we, there are a ton. Right, there are a ton of things we face in in this terms of this headwind. 
interestingly enough, everybody thinks I came up with this theme because of the pandemic, um, but we actually came up with this theme and all of its creative in June 2020 because that it's always 18 months out. So we already have the theme for 2022, and in June 2022, we'll create the theme for June 2023 or, um, or January 2022. 18 months out, we'll do June 2023 because uh, it takes that long to spin everything up. So, um, so the theme is unstoppable not because of the pandemic. The theme is unstoppable because of the issues that are pervasive and systemic that are being faced by most bookkeepers, tax preparers, CPAs. Now, the list is vast, but what we've done is we have boiled it down to the ones that we think are the biggest headwind, the most pervasive, and here's the list. And Hector, I, I, Andrew, I'd love for you to tell me if I'm missing any ones that are typically really big and glaring, um, but these are the ones that we say are the headwind. Technology disruptions, enterprise-level competitors, hyper-commoditization, stifling workloads, difficulty recruiting and retaining professionals, an imminent retirement bubble, and clients who devalue accounting and bookkeeping services. We have determined those are the biggies. I, I would add one did maybe. I, did I miss one? Are you, I think, you have one to add? I, I'd, I'd say insecurity. I think, I think that there, there's a lot of that holding people back who – you know, whatever what you call it, the imposter syndrome or whatever it is where they just like, if we're talking specifically about moving over to advisory, it's no, no, that, we're not though. That's yeah. the key yeah. because that's, that's a whole other list of why they aren't doing advisory. I've got seven of those. <laughs> this is, even if I'm just trying to do a bank wreck or a tax return, this is my headwind. Right. Okay. Then on advisory, I have seven other headwinds and yes, the biggest one is identity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th I think I was going to say self-sabotage. It's what stops everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but that that's that's just it, it's, it's interesting how that one in particular is is so broad, so pervasive, so important that it's difficult to package it up, you know, in, in, in a training or something like that, because it is perceived differently individually. So it's one of those things that you could you could tell people you're probably the one holding yourself back. But everybody says not me, the other guy. Mm -hmm. And um, because there's no, it's very difficult to, to in a single message, reach to every single person, uh, you know, insecurity, like, like Andrew says it, lack of self-esteem, lack of self-respect, lack of, you know, self-worth, all those things have to be unlocked sort of in a, in a, in a one-to-one -one basis. What would be interesting, Joe, is if there was a training, a class, an exercise that would be generic enough that is you know sort of like you know like the people that do in light like yoga and enlightenment and meditation there something is something that there is allows one. Oh, okay. yeah yeah what we did is um and 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 i did, this didn't originate with me it originated with an organization that i won't say the name of until the end because it'll give it away it'll be a spoiler alert um but what what um what's at the heart of this is my my belief system, and I don't mean belief system like a religious belief system or even a philosophical or political belief system, my belief system about who I am as a person. And almost always in human life, that belief system is distorted. So, um, so the, the person who helped me to understand this concept, his name was Paul Martinelli. And Paul Martinelli suffered from dyslexia in the 1950s. 
and he was the fourth child of an, in an Italian family um, where his brothers and sisters, all same family, same house, they grew up in same school, same religion, everything was exactly the same. His brothers went on to be, and uh, sisters, went on to be phenomenally successful, and um, he didn't make it out of the 10th grade. And it wasn't primarily because of this dyslexia. It was primarily because of his belief system about himself that limited him and, and, and made, it in a, made it where he could not see, inhibited his ability to see his own potential. So, um, it, and it was enforced from his childhood experience where they would say, Paul Martinelli, every, every homeroom, it would, it, they would announce Paul Martinelli come to remedial training, a remedial school. But we have to remember it's the 1950s. Paul Martinelli come to remedial school, report to remedial school, and every day of his life, he heard the same thing in that announcement. Paul Martinelli, you're stupid. Paul Martinelli, you're stupid. Paul Martinelli, you're over and over and over again for all of his childhood until finally whenever he uh, as, as not even a high school graduate was, was working some job, a mentor came along and see, here's the missing piece, a mentor came along. And a mentor is not somebody better than. A mentor is somebody who has done something you haven't done and has a process that you don't have. Hector, you mentor people all the time and how to have better podcast equipment because you have done that and you have a process they don't have. All right. So the, the mentor came along and the mentor understood something that Paul Martinelli didn't. The mentor knew how to start a business and run a business. So he said, hey, let's start a business together. And he goes, I can't. I'm stupid. He goes, I, I know what I'm doing, and I have a process you don't have, and he mentored Paul through starting this business with him. They grew it. They sold it. Paul went on, still under his mentorship, created another business by himself, built it, sold it. Second, built it, sold it. Third now by himself, built it, sold it. The collective revenues of those three businesses he sold, which are still existent, is about 800,000, 600, 800, excuse me, 600, 800 million a year. Um, then his mentor brought him back in and said, I need to start a mentor program. It has 200 people in it. I'd like to grow it. Will you come run it for me? Five years later, it has 30,000 mentors in over a dozen countries. This is the guy who thought he was stupid, right? But the, the power of a belief system, guys, is Paul Martinelli still has to go back to his mentor, John Maxwell, every once in a while and say, John, am I stupid? So I'm not saying that the belief system of the people who are struggling with advisory is their belief systems telling them they're stupid. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm agreeing with you, Hector. Everybody's belief system is telling a different lie to them because their life has infused into that belief system a different lie. And in order to break the pattern of that lie, you must have someone who sees something in you that you can't see in yourself. It's just not that you don't, you can't. And then they walk you through process. Process is the bridge past the problem. They walk you through process across a terror wall. Then they walk you into sustained success beyond the terror wall. And then you realize that those were lies about yourself all along, but you never outgrow the legacy belief system. It'll always be back in there somewhere whispering, you're an imposter. You're not really smart. 
you are really that stupid little kid that was in remedial training. And the mentor must constantly reinforce even what life itself is screaming at the person. No, you're not stupid. No, you're not inadequate. No, you can transform a small business. No, you can coach people to success. No, you can do advisory. Um, so yeah, and, and the missing piece, I mean, everybody thinks they can educate people past this problem. They can't educate people past this problem, not alone. You must educate and coach, which is why at Woodard, we formed, yes, Scaling New Heights, but we also have Woodard Institute because it's a journey and you need somebody alongside you for your journey. So Joe, other than the, the premise that, that within your organization, you have a system in place to provide this sort of mentorship, right? Because you're you're using the story as an illustration of overcoming adversity and also to kind of set the point that you do need, just to simplify, because the, the, the label mentor is kind of complex, but you need, a, you need somebody with a different perspective to maybe just nudge you, nudge you a little bit. And process, Hector, both perspective and process. And that's what people, that, that's, where, that's where people don't, they don't do the process part. So they might, they might, challenge somebody to the point where they're willing to say, okay, I'll go do this advisory thing because Hector, you believe in me so much, or Joe, you believe in me so much, or Andrew, you believe in me so much, but we don't set them up for success because we don't actually give them the process. Mm -hmm. So when we built Woodard Institute, it's 300 hours in our school of advisory under six disciplines, because we knew just telling them, you go get them now, wasn't enough. We had to also give them the process through the maze and with that combination perspective and process and courage but, but, courage right, is up but, to them yeah. but whatever you say you got mentorship perspective and process that sounds like a structured thing and typically a structured thing is something you pay for let's just yeah. let's just be let's just be completely transparent sure. about that right right so um so other than and i'm not saying you're trying to sell it but also no no, no. i'm just telling you my vision but we're completely comfortable with the plug because that this is your business. And yeah. I, I know it's valuable. One of my employees went through your program for a year. I forgot what the name of the program was, but it was a whole year. She met a whole bunch of people uh, in there. She made friends, you know, that are my friends as well. And she came out of it feeling more confident and, and, and she's an incredible employee. So I completely see the value on entering any sort of program mm -hmm. that is paid that has someone that's, that has some sort of process that's structured and it, and it is uh, pushing people and, and pushing past their comfort zone. So I, I'm completely game for mentorship programs and paid programs. But let's just quickly address for the people that maybe, you know, when they're out there looking for these structured training and structured mentorship, whatever you want to call it, accountability groups, and everything they see is 200 300 a month right because that's about what yours is you that's about, right? yes yeah mm -hmm. yeah so everything they see is 200 300 a month and and they're and they're in that that weird place where they're not producing the business income yet to it's be able to afford it. problem sure what, what's the solution for that group yeah um well so i would say two things one do what debbie dangerfield did right um, be extremely intentional when you go to a show to find people who are going through the same thing you are and then your bold step is to say, hey, let's get together. Let's let's get through this thing together. Let's mentor each other. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's number one. 
Uh, number two, take advantage of anything that you can that comes as close as you can to a coached program because it's very hard to get a coached program because they're so intensive to run, um, you know, for free. But you can you can still create a systematic process on your own. You can engineer it out of the free knowledge that's available, whether it's um, a video on your YouTube channel, this podcast, or one of our free webinars. Um, you can piece it together yourself and engineer it. Um, and then third, and I think you, this one will resonate with you, Hector, if you want to get past the chicken and egg problem, if I don't have capacity, that's another barrier to advisory, I don't have capacity, and I don't have the money in order to invest in the development myself so I can have more money, um, increase your price. Price correct. Because in that process, and I mean, do it, do it prudently, do it wisely, but in that process, what you will almost always find um, is if you go up on your price, you're, you're, even after some 10, 15, 20% of your clients leave, and it's usually not as high as you think it's going to be, um, your revenues, even after those clients leave, will be higher than before you went up on your price. You're going to enjoy your clients more, and you're going to have some 10, 15, 20% uh, additional capacity with greater gross profit margin to now go ahead and take that step and join a program. And I want to make sure your audience is clear. Any program that helps you, I just would celebrate alongside you. There's Jason Bloomer, Rootworks. There's Gary Boomer, if you're a bit larger firm. There's our program. Go find something that will that's structured that'll walk you through this way, wherever it is, right? Um, but the way to get that sort of shot in the arm of capacity and capital is the price correct. Now, one plug that has no money because uh, it's complements of Intuit, but anybody listening to this, podca this podcast um, who is a certified QuickBooks Pro Advisor, Intuit is scholarship to you into a four-week pricing workshop, um, and this program has been running for a year. We have two more left that are complements of Intuit. It's normally $1,000 for the four weeks. Come to the four-week workshop, complements of Intuit. And um, all you have to do is just send an email to infootwater.com, tell them Joe said, and we'll get you in. I'll, anybody listening to this, I'll award you one of those Intuit scholarships, guaranteed. And then um, that'll help you to get that shot in the arm at no, no financial investment this quarter. And is it safe to say that Intuit is paying you for this? Like Absolutely. Is... Yes, they okay. are. But, but, okay. but they're paying me a flat rate. So if Sure, if, sure. If 100 people join as a result of this, I make no extra money. I just get to expand the benefits that Intuit's investing in. Through but, but it's totally scalable. It's not a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a self-paced, uh, maybe some Q&A group webinar uh, and recorded videos. It's not a one-on-one -on -one mentorship or anything like that. It, yes, it's, it's a, it's, it is a group. And um, the, the, we meet for two hours every week, then an hour study hall, so a total of three. And there are very specific practice exercises you do between the weeks. So it is truly a workshop. It's just a virtual workshop. Yeah. So info at Woodard.com. Yeah. Info at Woodard.com and say, I listened to the podcast with Andrew and Hector and Joe said I was guaranteed a scholarship as long as I'm a certified pro advisor because that's the requirement. And, um, and we will get you into one of our remaining two in Q4. Very and by the end of that, hopefully you've got your pricing fixed and you can start affording the next course. There you go. <laughs> now you can go, if it's my program or somebody else's, you've got capacity and a little bit of extra money in your pocket to go continue the journey. And, and there are, there, there seem to be, there, there's a number of different programs out there. We, you said 
hey, I don't care what program you're going into as long as I'm seeing, you know, the rising tide that raises all ships. You know, how do people know what is the right program for them? And like, how do they look at these different programs when you have, like, it's it's getting more competitive, that landscape now as as we're seeing more coaches. How do people know what, what a good program is? And well, what's the, the, right the good news is it's like picking a good conference, right? A, a coach program is going to lay out, they're going to communicate out what their path looks like. Um, and you'll be able to identify, you know, with it or not. But what I can tell you is, and this, please don't take this as too broad stroke because I don't want you to not call on somebody that could really help you. But typically, uh, the, of the of the ones I mentioned, and you guys might have some more you want to throw out there, but uh, Boomer is typically if you are a regional or enterprise-sized firm. Uh, Rootworks is typically if you are a full-service CPA firm of of say five or more professionals. Um, we focus very heavily on bookkeepers. Uh, Jason Bloomer focuses very heavily on a small to medium size, I believe, CPA practices, but I might be wrong and forgive me, Jason, if I didn't represent you well. But get kind of know what, if you know kind of who typically goes through those programs, you'll be able to identify, okay, is this the group that I identify with? Did I miss any big coach programs you guys would like to throw across the wall? Because those those are the ones I typically shout out for whenever I'm in these environments. I, think I, a, I can't think of one. Okay. Yeah. Andrew, you, you can think of one? I guess Seth is, has his coaching oh, program. Oh, yeah, that's true. Rich, Richard yeah. has a program. You know, there, there's, there's, there's a couple out there for sure. Um, and lots, I'm sure, that I, I haven't thought of. Um, and, and so, there, you know, and I, I love your – attitude of like, Hey, a, ra- a rising tide raises all ships. Um, and, and I also love the way that you're like committed to new content coming out every year at these events. Um, because that is the one thing, you know, going back to what Hector said is, uh, you know, I, I haven't been around this community quite as long as the two of you, uh, but even myself, a lot of the content at say a QB connect conference, um, I've now heard it a couple of times. Right. Um, so, the where I'm ultimately getting the value out of say a QB Connect, um, which you know they always have some new content, but it's a lot of definitely the the big three key messages are, are very similar. Um, is building into those into those uh, conferences the connections and the sense of community and the sense of value, uh, and the sense of family and and building those connections with people and having those one on one conversations, um, and then um, being able to to build my own little um, I wouldn't even call them focus groups, just networks of connections that, hey, you know, I know that when I when I got a problem when it comes to tech gear, I'm going to Hector, right? Because like Hector is my go-to guy on on podcasts and tech gear. You know, when I got a, an issue on pricing, you know, I might go to Ron Baker when I, you know, when I and and having knowing who to go to because depending upon what the problems you're facing. I think there's different people that solve those or maybe specialize almost niche into those areas in many ways. Um, and, and so I can see people shifting and like using a different coach each year uh, or, you know, maybe even each quarter, depending upon what problem in the business or what phase in the life cycle that they're at, that they're trying to, to solve today. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, the beautiful thing about this community no one here is trying to be like, no, I'm the only trainer in this community. Come to me. Don't talk to Seth. Don't, don't, don't go to Bloomer. Don't, don't go to these other programs. We're saying, hey, we're all great. 
find your fit, find your need. You know, this is a world of abundance, not, not, you know, a world. Well, in, of- in that, aren't we, you know, we're reflective of the communities that we serve. I mean, they act that way with each other. I mean, how crazy would it be if we didn't <laughs> act that way as those who say we lead them? So, so yeah, it, it really is. And, and here it comes down to vision, mission, and purpose. I mean, and our vision is to transform small business through small business advisors. If Bloomer and Boomer and Rootworks and Seth and Hector, if you, if you, anybody that's, that's transforming small business through small business advisors, you are instantly my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, and my ally. So and I think if we all took that, you know, I think we kind of all do that, take that approach. Yeah. Um, we can actually navigate this difficult landscape right now. Absolutely. Um, and you know, you have had the ability to have insight into probably more, um, small business advisors than anyone. How do you think the majority of small business advisors are, have been coping through this? Um, exhausted uh they're exhausted uh, and maybe even all the way to the point where they feel depleted uh, but not yet defeated uh, you know I, I tell people that the unstoppable is as much a celebration in who they are it's as much a challenge to become more so mm-hmm. um this group has gone through so much and navigated so much um through the dos the pc the cloud the mobile revolutions now the advanced intelligence revolution um and uh, the, the pandemic. So, but I will tell you, they're they're really tired right now. Um, for the 14 month winter, if you want to refer to it that way, was followed by what I call the sleepy summer. I think they just they slept and they did their extended tax returns. And I'm hoping now that they're rested and they're ready to start running the race again in Q4. Because if not. You know, winter is back around upon us as of January. So they've got a precious, you know, three and a half months or so here uh, to, to make some investment in their, in their practices. Yeah, and it's ultimately up to you whether you choose to, you know, go and, and, and rest or you build that growth. Yeah, sure. But, you know, asked and answered, they are tired. <laughs> really tired. To, to discuss other tired themes, okay? Quick. <laughs> QuickBooks desktop. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would be a strange, uh, I know it's a strange segue, but Joe, uh, give, I know for a fact, because I follow your work for a very long time, that you were a huge QuickBooks desktop user, QuickBooks desktop trainer. You wrote the top 10 workarounds that kind of changed my entire perspective of how we can trick QuickBooks. I designed the QuickBooks desktop advanced cert for Intuit back in the day. Yes, right. absolutely. I was it, it, the desktop guy. Yeah. Right. So, so like, you know, QuickBooks desktop is still entrenched in like how I think about solving problems for clients. It all, it's always in a QuickBooks desktop theme just because it's a database that you can trick it to make it think it's something else, right? Which you don't get too much on the QuickBooks online world or the other, um, you know, cloud-based systems that are kind of just very specific to just solving the bookkeeping and that's it. Are you still working with QuickBooks Desktop? And what are your thoughts about Intuit moving to subscription with the mm. QuickBooks Desktop product? Well, I'll take them in order. No, not one of my six corporations uh, operates on QuickBooks Desktop. They're all on QuickBooks Online, including the multi-million dollar operation of Woodard, uh, Woodard Events, LLC. So, um, so we know that QuickBooks Online can take the pressure uh, within Woodard Consulting Group, 
uh, a second a follow up to that. We provide no QuickBooks consulting in Water Consulting Group because we don't want to compete with anybody that is in our audience. We do support two products that integrate with QuickBooks on the inventory management side, Locate and Fishbowl. And we strongly encourage our clients who are on Locate and Fishbowl to go to QuickBooks online because now they can and still run their warehouses. Um, and we, um, we prefer, because of the cloud approach, Locate because it is cloud. Fishbowl Online just launched a product that's got some catch up to do. But um, so we try to go for Locate plus QuickBooks Online to let you know that we have definitely, we're definitely all in on the cloud. Plus, of course, the accounts payable and auto made, automated entry and payroll and sales tax in the cloud that that uh, that we embrace. So, what do I think about QuickBooks Desktop going subscription? I think it's a brilliant move for Intuit. I think it's a great outcome for QuickBooks Pro advisors who are going to finally and eventually start shedding themselves from the multi multi version support problem. Um, so I think in the end, everybody wins, including the small business owner who will go kicking and screaming because they like to go to Costco and get that license and hold on to it for five years. I think they also will benefit from it because they'll have a better supported product. Um, they'll get to take advantage of all those new features and their pro advisor can better support them. So good, good, and good for everybody all the way down to the Intuit shareholder. So Joe, in my Facebook group or, or Facebook group that I co-admin, uh, um, it was all doom and gloom. It was all uh, money grabbing to it and forcing my clients to pay triple and you know, uh, out of touch with small business. I mean, like the amount of comments and, and just like negativity towards it was big. And, and I get it, you know, nobody likes change. It is, a price, change. Jump. It is a, price yeah, jump. a price jump. But you're saying that it's a net win for small business as well. Let me why? tell you why. So I get, I well, get because they get all those new features and the better support, right? But but also their pro advisor can better support them. And and I think what they spend with QuickBooks, if the pro advisor is still, you know, God forbid, billing by the hour, charging by the hour, um, they're going to spend less with their pro advisor if the pro advisor is billing by the hour. So keep that in mind, pro advisors, go flat rate because you're going to get it done faster, not having to support QuickBooks version 2015. But but I want to address the pricing because I, I get it. I get it that it is a price increase uh, for the small business owner. And I am, of course, sympathetic with everything they're doing and how lean they're running. So I don't mean to be dismissive of that at all. But what I will say is um, there has been a price to value discrepancy with QuickBooks that goes back to the DOS days. I agree so and, much. And so you know, Ron Baker would have a heyday with this price anchor. It's probably the most entrenched price anchor in the entire fintech world. Correct. So what we're really seeing here is, is a form of price correction that compared to some other models is still insanely cheap because you can run an entire warehouse on QuickBooks Pro subscription model. Um, it, it's just insanely affordable. Uh, I know. I, I, I've always said that, 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 QuickBooks Pro for $200 or $250, whatever it was, just a couple of years ago, was one of the most underpriced accounting software packages on earth, period. Um, and, and that's why it was so popular. Again, you could always go back and say, well, that's why it was popular. That's why it had million, 
millions of users. Well, QuickBooks Online has three times as many QuickBooks desktop users. So it's not like- And it's already are, subscription, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it, it started as subscription, right? So, yep, so, so yep. no one, so, so you're right. It, it is a, it's, it's not so much, you know, tripling the price or whatever. It's, it's just been anchored, you know, in this old price and, and it's hard for people to wrap um, their, their head around that. And, and to tie this into the whole mentorship concept and, and the pricing program that you're putting together, isn't it also like that with your pricing uh, course when you have a person that walks in and they're charging an average of 200 or 300 per client and when they're done with the pricing, you have course corrected them so much yes. that they're going to go out there and charge 1500 per client. And it's the same sudden, you know, yes. you know, semi quasi price gouging feel. Well, you're right. right? There's, I'm so, I'm so excited. I can't not talk because you're absolutely right, Hector. The price to value problem is mirrored by the QuickBooks Pro Advisor. So, so if you're listening to this and I get you, your clients are going to have a price increase. A, a lot of your price problem is because Intuit injected a price to value pro problem in the product that you service. And now that's dragged you down on your price to value discrepancy. So, so when, when your clients are paying more for the QuickBooks product, they, they see your value goes up in their eyes. But also, once you, um, you don't want to just take that and go, okay, now there's a little bit of a bump that QuickBooks has helped me. Listen to what Hector said. A couple hundred dollars a month for bookkeeping, stop. Stop, stop, stop. Even QuickBooks Live charges 350 to 400 bucks a month. Stop doing that to yourself. People go through our strategic pricing workshop. One person went through it in the last 12 months, generated $72,000 in additional revenue before they left the workshop. One person in this most recent class, $6,000 before they left the workshop. I promise if you do it right, I promise, promise, promise your clients are willing to pay more. And that not just goes for, for you. It goes for QuickBooks too. So let's just talk about rising the tide. Let's rise the whole value tide together right. so i'm right. so i'm gonna end it because it's 11 o'clock i'm gonna end it my time matthew fulton is asking are you wearing your cowboy boots or are your boots <laughs> picked out for this conference and i'll i'll tell you my last question okay so that's an inside joke with matthew fulton because now he is on a campaign he and ernest cook are campaigning to uh to to pressure me to had to wear cowboy boots at scaling new heights a hat I've told everybody the same thing. A hat, you will see me in occasionally. Boots, no. Um, yep. Well, I, I think that, that campaign's got another vote. We're, we're pushing to see you in cowboy boots, Joe. Um, but I'm excited, and I guess people want to hear more about pricing and this great discussion uh, between Hector and Joe. Uh, you got to come join us at Scaling New Heights in, in Dallas. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you there, Joe. And uh, for those of us who are going to come hang out in the after show, uh, we'll have some fun chatting with Joe and Hector. And for the rest of you, we'll see you back next week. And Brad will be back uh, with another new amazing guest. So let's, thanks let's again, everyone. Let's plug the conference, scalingnewheights.com. Yes. October 24 to October 27 in, in Fort Worth. Yep. Scalingnewheights.com. See you there, guys. See you there, guys. Bye for now.